0: Hey everyone out there at ASAP Now and thanks for joining us here for the August episode of ASAP Nowcast. I am so pleased to be sitting here with Dr. Jay Baruch, who is the Professor of Emergency Medicine at Brown and also the former Section Chair of Medical Humanities for ASAP. So Dr. Rube, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much, Amy. It's wonderful to be here.
0: Yeah. Now we have a really interesting topic here. So not only are you an ER doctor, but you're also a quite decorated author. And there was a story that we wanted to talk about that you've obviously spoken and written about specifically about your experience as a patient. So go ahead and tell us about that
1: yeah so this essay um which I'll, I'll talk about in my in my book that's upcoming um the end of august 2022 20, into summer called um it's called tornado of life um, a doc any a doctor's journey through uh constraints and creativity in the er and this particular short essay is is titled big incision and the title of the of the essay will c- come to light shortly so it, it basically captures my first experience as um as a patient as a patient who didn't know whether he was going to get better or not and, and it and it had to do with me sort of having a near syncopal episode around 15 16 17 years ago at work Labor day of all of all days and basically talking my colleagues out of you know, doing much of anything, and then me coming back the next day and realizing that I had pneumonia and and rapid atrial fib, and and then having uh, an echo that showed I had a bad mitral valve, and it felt like I was I described it as collecting medical problems like loose coins. You know, I I went from being very healthy to being not being very healthy, and um, it felt like overnight. I was really, my early 40s. I had a young child. What I discovered during this period is that, you know, suddenly I, while I was sort of unmoored and destabilized and a little bit dizzying by the fact that like, Jesus, I'm suddenly this person who has, I'm that patient who has the list of medical problems. But also (laughs) I was like, I was the doctor who was sick. And and I used to, and the common question I'd be getting from from people would be like, you know, is this going to change the way you doctor.
0: Yeah. Has it shaped your point of view?
1: Has my experience as as, as a patient going to make, and the assumption is going to make me a better doctor. That's going to be an illuminating experience for me. And I always felt like they wanted an answer. Like I, it wasn't enough that I had to be sick, but I was like the subject of a parable. Like I was some kind of morality tale that suddenly I was, you know, this, it makes an assumption that I was somehow closed off in some other way. And now this is going to be a transformative moment. Um, and really what I wanted more than anything else was I wanted permission just to be sick. I just wanted to be a patient <laughs> because I, I was trying to make sense of this because, you know, you, you lose your identity, like work is affected, your ability to exercise, your ability to interact with your family. It affects you in so many different ways beyond the body. And so what happened was eventually I had to... I realized that I had to have this valve taken care of. And um and I had certain friends who were who recommended this wonderful, incredible surgeon at a very famous department of cardiothoracic surgery. And he was described as being like the the ultimate like humanist and skilled surgeon and just wonderful person. And um, but my cardiologist referred me to Another member in in this doctor's department, who was this world famous heart surgeon. I call him I call him the FHS, the famous heart surgeon, <laughs> who had incredible skills and had a little bit of a notorious personality, at least amongst his trainees and his fellows. I had one of my close friends was was a cardiothoracic surgeon at a different place. And like his comment to me was, he's extraordinary. He's wonderful. And don't worry about his personality. You'll be under anesthesia, right? (laughs) (laughs) You
0: You can't complain if you're unconscious.
1: Right, exactly. And so anyway, we have, we have meetings. We go, we go visit these two people the same day. And that morning, I visit like the ultimate humanist and he was like, his office was impeccable. Like, you know, Doc, he came out and and got us, you know, by him, you know, on by himself, and he, he escorted us into his office with like dark mahogany, and he was meticulously dressed with a, just a sculptedly knotted tie and a white coat. Like I never have it, none of the coffee stain, none of my pen marks, you know. And he spoke to me, and he spoke to my wife, who was in has was not in medicine, and so she could understand. He went through all the options. He gave me a incredibly thorough medical exam, like as good as any Uber internist. And not only did I want him as like my heart surgeon, I wanted him as my doctor, I wanted him as my friend, I wanted him as my life coach. He was just <laughs> the epitome of the idealized version of a physician, let alone like the physician surgeon. My wife and I go to lunch. you know we have Dr. A we'll call him in our back pocket. And basically our appointment with Dr. B, this famous heart surgeon, is you know we're just keeping the appointment and we get ushered into like a back set of, cubicles this huge desk this famous heart surgeon is dressed in like his like the surgeon garb of like scrubs and the expensive sport jacket and the leather shoes and he has my chart like my physical chart this is the age when we had physical charts that was (laughs) thicker than i would like to for my own comfort and he just looks picks it up and literally drops it on the desk and goes you need an operation questions (laughs) (laughs) so much for informed consent (laughs) And I had so many questions and literally, like I looked around and I felt like my wife was whimpering and I felt like I was in a Monty Python skit. I thought that like right then and there, like the anesthesiologist was going to come out and all the assistants and they were going to do the surgery right then and there on top of the table, you know, like one of those scenarios. (laughs) It was so surreal. And I asked him all kinds of questions. He goes, ah, you're you're young. It's not going to affect you. Oh, you ask him all this. No, you're young. And ultimately... You know, I had, you know, his his team he had published widely on the use of sort of minimally invasive valvular surgery. And I asked him about that. And he said, no, because we have to do a maze for you as well, because you're atrial fib. So you need a big incision. <laughs> and I mentioned the fact that we saw Dr. A that morning. And and he nodded respectfully. And he said to me, Because I just want you to know, because I did two of you this morning. And we walk down the hall after our meeting, and my wife and I sort of stop, like on our room, but at the same time, we look at each other and we go, That's our guy. And I could not believe, whenever I tell this story, that I passed up like the epitome, of the idealized surgeon, but this. Ch- the famous heart surgeon with this notorious personality who did everything like we, we, we it our students who are residents to have this type of interaction. We'd be like, "Oh my God, like you failed your ascii right?" Um, <laughs> and and I was like, and I realized, Amy, at that point, that I think what I was looking what I was looking for was, you know, I I wasn't looking for someone to hold my hand. I was looking for an adversary. I wanted someone that I was going to fight against. I was going to get up I was going to recover quicker than he expected to me. I was going to have my lines pulled quicker. I was going to be up and walking quicker. I was going to be out of that hospital quicker. Which and it was like my my motivation was like I was going to outdo you. I wasn't going to let you get the best of me. I was going to I wasn't going to let you call the shots after my operation. I was going to do it. Well, he also had such certainty about what he was going to do. Like there was a question of whether they have to replace my valve or repair it. And he might have been one of the only people in the country who could repair it. And he did repair it, you know, which for me meant a lot. Um, and and whenever I tell that story, Amy, what's so amazing is that people are uncomfortable with it. I've told it to medical students, I've told to trainees, told, you know, over drinks, so colleagues and friends. Mm-hmm. And people are kind of uncomfortable. You can see them squirm. It's like, you know, what's the like, what's the moral? Are you saying that we shouldn't be empathic. Are you saying we shouldn't be kind? Are you saying we shouldn't, you know, take time with patience? And, and I'm not saying any of that. It's just the fact that I, I think what I'm trying to say is that, you know, our experiences don't always fit into like these nice, tidy narratives right? Our lives are complicated. They're messy. And we make decisions for a lot of different reasons. Um, Some of them are medical, some of them are personal and emotional. And trying to put language to those experiences is, is really hard, you know, but I think we must try to do that. And I feel like my entire experience as a patient, being a patient who's trying to get better, who was unsure whether it was going to get better. It wasn't like I was taking the purple pill and then I was going to get better, is you find yourself that, you know, you're on a journey that that only you can take alone, right? There's no right or wrong way necessarily to go on it. And you have to figure out your signposts as you go along. And I felt like part of that had to resist sort of the tropes of being a doctor patient saying, listen, I'm gonna go through some on my own and in my own way. because I feel like once people sort of push you into this category of the doctor patient, you become a type of story or type of story that they expect, and then you lose your identity, you lose your sense of this being your own story, and you carving out your own destiny, and you being sort of the self-acting person who's trying to find their way through illness, and then taking your own experiences and your own sort of, not lessons, but what you've learned about yourself through the process.
0: Well, so is it a little bit about control? Because, you know, one of the interesting parts about being an ER doctor is like, we love control. You know, we love it in codes. We love it when we see patients. Um, that is a huge part of, I think, being a physician. And what you said about being a patient was really interesting, that you just wanted to be a patient. So is part of it that you chose the um, less couth surgeon, let's say that is that you felt like in a way you could give up some of the medical control and just be the patient. But on the other hand, you would also gain some control and being able to, you know, establish your own narrative. Is that kind of what it, what it, where it's at? Cause I'm with you. Like the, the lack of compassion, empathy is the opposite story that we're always told of what to do for press Ganey and, you know, patient care and all that stuff.
1: I love what you just said, Amy. Uh, and I'll, I'll just take it a step further. If you'll let me just, to- Push this a little bit further. Yeah. And that is the fact that though we as ER docs love control, we oftentimes lack it. Right? We're all we might be grasping for control, but oftentimes the problems that patients come in to the ER with, you know, regardless of whether they're a physician or not, most of them are not physicians, is they're coming in with their own experiences and they don't fit into a diagnosis neatly. They don't you know all the times they come in with these, with these, you know, very, with yeah. a, they're, they're rich with uncertainty.
0: Fatigue, chief complaint fatigue. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: And, and, but we know there's something there, right? It just might not be something that can be diagnosed through a lab test or diagnostic testing because when they come into the ER, it's a, it's a significant narrative event in a patient's life. Now, you think about it, like this is a, and for most of our patients, it's a big decision to come see us. And just another patient for us is really a significant event in their lives. So that's part of like where my book, you know, the premise behind a lot of my book, would, uh, which is the the fact that patients come to us with complicated stories. You yeah. know, and sometimes we have to find out what those questions, before we look for answers and a sense of control, then we got to find out, are we asking the right questions? Are we listening enough? Are we opening up? Are we, before we know are there certain situations where we actually have to see control and say, listen, what don't we know? Like, what mm-hmm. questions should I be asking? And so I think it's this, this balance, you know, there's just this idea about trying to control things, but also not forcing it when we can't and recognizing that in ourselves to then ask different types of questions.
0: Yeah. And and I think a, a piece of what you just said really is that in order to have compassion and empathy, I think the prerequisite is to have understanding. And that is really hard. And I think that is something that we have to establish patient by patient um, as physicians, as ER doctors, et cetera.
1: Yes. And, you know, and we can't ignore the fact that, you know, we don't have all day to figure this stuff (laughs) out. Right. You know, we oftentimes have to, um, you know, how I described in my book, you know, we're, you know, we're, pressured story listeners, um, and, you know, sharing experiences with precious storytellers, um, under like numerous constraints. And how do we do that? Like, how do we do the very thing you just said, Amy, is really a challenge, but it's not impossible. We can, I think we can always, we can always be better.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And I think that's part of this lifelong learning too, is how can we always strive to be better?
1: I also want to say that you know from what I take took out of this, like how I do treat patients differently as a result of this experience, um, there are positive. There are a lot of positive things that came out of my experience. You know, so I'm aware of how, you know, how uncomfortable ER stretchers are, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I and I tell patients that if. Um, if they didn't come in with a back problem, there's a very good chance they might leave with one. Yeah. Uh, I'm also very much aware of waiting time and, like, it's more than just time. Like, what's the experience of waiting, the fear, the anxiety, the nervousness of what's going on, whether someone's waiting for 10 minutes or, you know, for a couple of hours. And I try to constantly be in touch with them and be aware of that, even if I don't have information. When doctors come in, <laughs> I actually, I feel. Force them to change into a gown because I'll never change into a gown.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh no.
1: You must get into a gown, and I share that my I share with my experience, and I go, you are a patient, and I go, I'm going to treat you like a patient. Um, and part of that is is like shedding that identity of I am a physician to accepting your role as a patient, and also more importantly, the vulnerability that's associated with that and to give permission to feel vulnerable in that experience. And also just silly things, you realize like how how little energy you have when you're sick and I found myself really going the extra yard for those for our patients who are trying to navigate a healthcare system that is oftentimes, being sick is oftentimes the easiest part than dealing with doctor's offices or insurance companies or whatever, you know, and being more open and being more aggressive and setting things up and, and giving them resources for that. And also some negative things I have to say that I'm more embarrassed to confess, but the fact that, you know, I became a little bit less tolerant of people who were rude or intolerant of like what we're going through and and weights and i was a little bit intolerant of families that were a little bit aggressive or overly demanding or had unreasonable expectations and i i'm embarrassed to confess that i also at that time i found myself a little bit judgmental about patients who were perhaps like the intoxicant the person who with an alcohol use disorder who like fell down with an alcohol level 400 mm-hmm down the stairs, especially if I'm at at the same time, I'm taking care of a young mother who has, you know, ovarian cancer. So like I was, I had a, it was a mixture of emotions, I think both good and, and bad. And I, and I had to work through those, you know, through the years. But again, it didn't fit any neat, it didn't fit a neat moral tale. It was complicated, just like the experience was.
0: Yeah. And those are, you know, great words of wisdom, because I think a hard part for us to realize on the day to day is that you know, to us, it's another Tuesday in the ER, but to most patients, it is like the worst day of their lives. And that's hard to, that's hard to always keep in touch with. So I I just want to say, Dr. Burke, this has been, uh, you know, enlightening to hear your, your opinion, your experience on, you know, both sides of the white coat in a way.
1: Thank you so much. It's been real, a real honor and a real pleasure to share this with your listeners, Amy, and and to chat with you. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jay. And again, thank you to all our listeners for joining us.
1: Thank you, Will. Hey, y'all. It's Dr. Cedric Dark. And I'm sneaking in real quick because I want to make sure you're all aware that registration is open for ASEP 22. So go ahead and register today.
0: Awesome discussions this episode. And another special thanks to Dr. Baruch, ASEP Now is published by Wiley and is a product of the American College of Emergency Physicians. The views expressed on ASEP Nowcast are those of the hosts and any guests. Thanks for listening.